This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, my name is Kimberly Brash. I am the founder of Altress, spelled like altered dress, but A-L-T-R-E-S-S. And Altress is a customizable women's wear brand, and we're also a platform to make all fashion more sustainable, inclusive, and empowering for women. Uh, what I love, I guess, about fashion would be that when you look good, you feel good, and it increases your confidence. And increased confidence increases women's power. We're all about women's empowerment. From New York City, you are listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Kim, welcome to the show. So happy to have you join us. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, where are you? Are you in New York? I'm actually in Connecticut for a few days. Um, oh. I, After being in, cooped up in Manhattan for the last three months, I, I decided to to get away just for a little bit. I, I think that's probably important. Um, I don't yeah. know that man was meant to stay in one place uh, <laughs> like we are. So uh, I'm glad to hear that. How are you doing, by the way? Uh, this is a complex time. How are you hanging in there, both as a person and as a business owner? Um, as a person, I'm I'm doing well. It's a little hard to be cooped up, but you know we're all coping. And as a business owner, um, you know COVID's been obviously, you know, uh, it, it's a horrible virus. It, it's it's really hurt, um, you know, our entire country. But there's been a, a tailwind that has propelled kind of the thesis of Altris forward and. And we've been doing okay during this crisis. Um, in fact, you know, we're signing up B2B clients for on-demand manufacturing, and we produce 15,000 masks to, you know, help with frontline workers and, Amazing. and supply hospitals when when all supply chains were ground to a halt throughout the, the globe. Uh, let's just pause on this, mo- stop on this moment for, we won't make this whole interview about COVID necessarily, mm-hmm. although anything you'd like to, to, to say about it is, is welcome. Uh, but but I'm interested. You know, you 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 said that there, it's it's been a little tailwind for you, which is wonderful. Uh, can can you unpack that a little bit and and maybe uh, why not just why that is, but uh, is there anything that you can pass along, you know, to other uh, brands or business owners that, that you've kind of learned that's helped you maintain a tailwind? Well. I, I mean, I started Altris to to correct three problems that I had seen in the industry over 10 years. And all of those problems have been aggressively propelled by um, the COVID crisis. Um, so basically, the entire business model was modeled to uh, withstand something like what's going on right now. We have no inventory. So, you know, I'm not at the mercy of of, of purging my inventory. We were able to pivot overnight to meet the demand of hospitals and, and frontline workers, you know, and it literally was a decision in the evening. And the next day we had fabrics, you know, trucks coming with, with fabrics and, and having a cutter come in and, and produce 15,000 masks. So it, it really is just the, the fact that this business model was, was kind of made for this because I grew up in an era and I started working. Um, my first job was the week Lehman brothers went under. Mm, so in 2008, wow. so you know, economic crisis and and starting off uh, survival was something that I saw very, very early on. So my entire business model was actually crafted to withstand something like this. 
So let's get to that. Now, I know uh, from reading your bio at, at, I believe, 28, you were uh, the design director for a major brand. Yes. Uh, Which brand was that? So I launched Karl Lagerfeld for the United States as the design director. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually the president uh, back in March of 2000, I believe it was 19, um, actually offered me creative director. Um, wow! Because uh, the product that I had designed that first season was was still checking out at retail and and was still on refund. So, what made you decide to rather than say using that big marquee as a as a, a propellant? What made you decide to say I'm going to carve out my own lane? I'm going to go through the challenges of starting a business and getting people's attention and and everything that goes with running your own business and the challenges therein, what made you decide to do that instead? Um, I think that starting off, you know, as, you know, a 22 year old in apparel, you know, and I wanted to one day have my own business. I, I knew that I was going to have to do things differently because the industry was failing. Um, I had seen it even in 2008. Um, it bounced back since then, but the struggles still exist, you know, mass production, overproduction, the waste that's involved, um, the slow trend to market, uh, the slow trend to market cycle, all of these things were uh, really crippling brands, um, you know, circa 10 years ago. Um, and they're still crippling brands today. So I knew that if I were going to start my own company, I was going to need to solve all these problems. I also just no longer, I think there's a democratization of fashion that has gone down where. I think gone are the days where designers dictate what women should be wearing. Um, you know, I, I developed Altris to truly listen to our customers and produce what they would like to spend their hard-earned money on and just make it for them. Um, so I'm really letting the customer lead the way. And I believe that that's the way of the future with customization. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Uh, because, you know, really you you designed Altris to... Uh, be you really want to innovate and yes. transform a failing apparel industry is what it comes down to. Yeah, and 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 also do it scalably, profitably, and quickly, which is the struggle. Um, but we've we've figured out the sauce. We're delivering product in ten to twelve business days to customers. Um, mm-hmm. It's been about two week turn time since the co- during the COVID crisis because um, there's I've kept all of the sewers completely socially distant. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean we've been able to, you know, keep our business running, keep production going. Um, it, it just required me uh, swiping a, a Jeep from my parents. <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> I, grew, I, I grew up in Manhattan and I live in Manhattan. So uh, basically I, I needed to have a car in order to make this work. And I've been driving out to Flushing every day and dropping off materials and picking up finished products. What, what have you learned from having to do things a little differently during this crisis that you think you're going to bring to the, you know, as your business continues, you say, you know, now that I've done it this way, I realize now that there's changes in our business that we should make. Has has anything like that happened? To be quite honest with you, we, you know, since we're a startup, we were running a really lean business prior to this. So, you know, I think that people becoming leaner um, has uh, people becoming leaner, I definitely think, is is the pressure on most businesses right now. We were already, 
very, very lean. So I, I don't think that things are going to change all that much, honestly. Maybe this is a good moment uh, to unpack what your business actually is. You kind of hinted at it earlier in, uh, as you told us what you love about fashion. But uh, give, us the, give us the pitch, if you will. Yeah. What this actually is. And, and frankly, uh, and I, I asked this off mic with you before we got started, j- just to get some insights. Why are you truly different? You really are doing something different than almost every other uh, custom-made apparel company. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll go over all of that. Um, so the Elevator would be Ultras is a customizable women's wear brand, and we're also a platform to make all fashion, all fashion, more sustainable, inclusive, and empowering for women. We have both a D to C strategy and a B to B strategy. Um, Ultras as a brand was created for women by women as an ethical, empowering, and more sustainable way to shop for dresses for every occasion. We're customizable for our customers' taste, made to order for minimum waste, and intentionally designed and produced with our customer leading the way. Basically, gone are the days of designers dictating to women what they should wear. And at Ultras, we truly listen to our customers and produce what they would like to spend their hard-earned money on and just make it for them. We are produced on demand in the United States. Quickly, I learned, I sat down when I decided I wanted to build an on-demand customized apparel brand. Um, uh, And I decided I wanted to make the fastest supply chain in the United States after sitting down actually with a menswear brand doing a similar thing. And they told me, and their price point probably for suits was about $700 to $900. And they told me that their largest cost per unit was air shipping from Shanghai. So there are a couple, i unpacking that very quickly. I kind of said to myself, all right, well, on-demand production is more sustainable. That is a huge value proposition of on-demand production. I am producing based on actual customer demand, Um, There's no inventory waste. Uh, 60% of all apparel produced is either incinerated or goes to landfills in a calendar year. And, you know, I said immediately, I cannot do this in Shanghai because the carbon footprint on air shipping one offset of Shanghai is massive. Also, the expense to the customer is going to be massive. And if I'm going to retail these dresses at a competitive price point in a one-off manner, I have to figure out how to do this domestically. So that's kind of how I set off on the journey of building the fastest supply chain in the United States for on-demand manufacturing. And unpack your B2B platform. Uh, how is How are you taking this and making this capability available to other brands? We have two things that we can license out to customers. Currently, we are licensing out our Um, on-demand manufacturing. So we've signed up a couple of B2B clients where we are going to be able to produce their products um, in a one-off manner on demand um, for them. Uh, So that is one thing that we can license out to other brands. So the ability to produce on demand. And we are also developing um, the technology for buy sizing. So we call buy sizing the fit solution for women. 90% of women are actually different sizes on their tops and bottoms. So I, I call it the Beyonce asset, where basically, you know, <laughs> you can have a size four top and a size eight bottom. Um, clothing is not manufactured to fit that body type. Um, and yet over 90% of women are actually different sizes on their top and bottom. So we are permitted, our, the technology we're developing will seamlessly pivot your bodice pattern and your skirt pattern in the cloud to meet at the waist. 
um, no human intervention, and we would be able to print out the customer's pattern and produce a garment that is by-sized for them. Extraordinary. I don't know that every person, woman or man, uh, has a complete grasp of what their actual dimensions are. They may know basic dimensions, but enough to have a, a really strong fit. Is this a is this a challenge for you? How do you get over that? It's definitely going to be a challenge, but really, it's if the customer knows their top size and their bottom size and can give a waist measurement. That is enough for us to at least start making a better fitting dress for them. So there's so many extraordinary um, fitting technologies out there that are allowing, you know, people to to solve this issue that we just talked about, which is, uh, you know, having a more, you know, from afar, from a, from a distance, uh, remotely being able to uh, communicate more exact sizing using scanning or whatever. Uh, how are you thinking about this? Is this necessary for you? Is it a next level thing to perhaps partner with such a technology? Or uh, are you comfortable that what you're doing, that is, that's working? You don't need that, you know, that additional level of exact fit. So I, I definitely think that at, at some point we may end up partnering with a technology um, but at the moment, we're we're going with um, kind of like the fit quiz that Third Love is going with, where okay. um, you take a quiz and the amount of data she was able to collect on those quizzes actually helps her figure out your exact size. Um, so a lot of this is data collection. We're already you know starting with that process, and there is a fit quiz on our website. Uh, we are going to be updating it so that. It, it's a, it's a bit more intense, but it definitely, um, I definitely think that data collection is going to be the way that we go about doing this. Up next, you'll hear uh, the three issues that Kim knew she needed to solve as she built a brand and the classic question to source internationally or domestically right after this. So check this out. For more than 15 years, and more than 160,000 customers. The number one SMS marketing software, industry leader Easy Texting, has set the standard for business texting platforms. So it's a cloud-based self-service SaaS platform, and it's a top 20 best product for marketers, and it allows businesses of all sizes to reach and engage their mobile audiences. They've sent 5 billion messages to their customers, yes, but what can really move the needle for you is this. Texting delivers 600% more engagement than email. Now, what could you do with 600% more engagement? Look, 90% of people read new messages within 30 minutes, right? And text messages, 134% more likely to be read than emails. So when an online boutique wanted to send their existing customers coupons and information about upcoming sales, they wanted an easy-to-use text marketing platform, and they used easy texting. 89% of customers prefer messaging to communicate with businesses. 77% of consumers have a more positive impression of companies that text. So when a clothing store with a pop-up shop wanted to increase store traffic as well as tell past customers about new arrivals, they used easy texting. 
in-store traffic increased within just a few hours of their first text. They had positive communications with customers, and they saved time. So you come to Fashion is Your Business for valuable business insights and strategy, right? This one is a game changer. Texting allows you to facilitate scheduling, enable staffing, promote products and services, and notify customers, and the big kahuna provide an excellent customer experience. So, Fashion is Your Business is going to hook you up. Easy Texting is offering a free trial to listeners of the Fashion is Your Business podcast. Just text FASHION to 858-585. Again, that's FASHION to 858-585. Message and data rates may apply for this recurring message program. made a decision at a certain point to, I'm going to start a brand. I'm going to launch a brand. And usually someone launches a brand because they see a problem that needs to be solved or a white space that can be filled. Which of it was, was it for you? Um, it was a little bit of both actually. Um, I, I saw a market that had the opportunity that was untapped. And then I also, knew that there were three issues that were plaguing the apparel industry that, you know, if I were ever to start my own business, I would need to solve if, you know, if I were, if I were going to take the plunge. Um, so I basically built my entire business model to be resilient against these three issues. Basically, if you, you went online to any retailer, if you went into stores, you know, you were seeing that retailers were marking down excess inventory to stimulate customers to purchase, period. Customers became then conditioned to only and always shop on sale. And designers were then at a race to the bottom. We're seeing this accelerated with the COVID crisis um, in terms of their price point to remain competitive and appeal with the need a deal, always shop on sale customer. And these lower retail prices were obviously always achieved by lowering production costs to maintain margins. And how do you lower your production costs? You often achieve that by larger production orders and larger production orders lead to excess inventory. And now we're back with retailers marked down ex- excess inventory to stimulate customers to purchase. It's a vicious it's, cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It was a rat wheel that I saw in every company I was in. Um, and it, it's just the nature of the game. It's the nature of the beast. Um, but it, it's gotten so bad that 60% of all apparel produced is either incinerated or goes to landfills in a calendar year. And, you know, even prior to COVID, so this was prior, this statistic was, was I probably got a year or two before, you know, there was ever a pandemic. Um, the cost of debt inventory in the U.S. alone is $50 billion. So debt inventory, inventory that you can't sell, that a lot of the time winds up in a landfill or is burned, is a $50 billion problem. And just for a bottom line, for, for a brand, it, it, it's death to a brand. And a lot of brands right now are suffering big time. Um, but it's been a problem for, you know, a decade before I even started in this industry. Okay, so that was that was one motivation. What else? The second motivation I saw was a growing desire for customization and personalization. Um, it started with the Apple computers. When I was in high school, everybody wanted their own specific color to show their personal preferences. Um, 
And I also saw as I came into the industry in around 2008 that people used to look at shiny magazines um, and advertisements that you know, were a brand, a designer, but really behind all of it was a supply chain that was telling consumers to go to stores when they wanted customers to purchase the item. But now we're not looking um, at these advertisements anymore. We're looking at real people on Instagram whose voices seem to be a lot more authentic and resonate a lot more with customers and are a lot more influential. And this this desire for customization or this desire for personalization and, and seeing your own preferences and seeing what you know influencers and, and real people are wanting, this this has made their voice a lot stronger than any designer has ever been. Um, so you're seeing that there's a change where designers no longer have the power that they used to. Designers were showing people what they wanted them to buy, but now designers are looking to Instagram and finding out what people want to be wearing. Um, and I think that, that that is a really big change in power. And it, you know that's has drastically accelerated since the advent of Instagram. There's a growing desire for customization and personalization, and you see it in the menswear market, but it hasn't quite been able to penetrate the women's wear market. Um, I saw the way my husband was buying suits. Uh, basically, he likes the brand, he trusts the quality, and he finds the price point compelling. He makes it exactly how he wants, and he checks out. To me, that is the future of retail. Um, menswear is very modular, so it's been it's been a lot easier to put that into a suit. But you know, women's wear is a lot more difficult, so that is why it's been a slower trend to market. And look, let, let's face it this is this is such a general statement that is just my observation, and maybe it's not based in truth, but uh, and everyone's different. You can't generalize between genders, but. It, it it seems to me that, you know, men are by nature, quote, problem solvers, meaning we see a mission and we just do it. Mean, and that's how I've seen at least a lot of men shop. They say, I need this. I go, I get it. I buy it. I leave. I know the difference between me and my wife and the way that we shop. And let's, if we go to a department store or something is I just want to go get the thing I want to get. She might want to investigate other opportunities around the store. Right. So it's very natural to me that if you just see a solution, it works, it meets the, you know, the, the cr- credentials, the criteria that you have. Uh, and that's a thing you can just go bingo, I'm buying it. And that's where I'm going the next time I'm going to buy the same damn thing, the same damn thing. It right. makes sense so, to me that that's how men would think. So <laughs> for women, it's imagine if they're able to then customize and make it exactly how they want it. I mean, that's the way I kind of shopped for clothing when I I was younger, I found myself at 22 buying something and then altering it myself or bringing it to a tailor and putting a slit in it because, you know, I thought that it would look cooler if I did that or, or, you know, taking the sleeves off. I, I personally was doing that. And I knew that a lot of people, if they, you know, had the skill set to be sewing would be doing the same thing. They would buy something and then just say, oh, if it were only just a little different. Um, So just the concept of customization, I definitely do think it, you know, resonates with women and it's just not there yet because it's a lot more difficult. I love what you're doing, by the way, you know, uh, circling back on one of the aspects of, of what you're doing, uh, and it has to do with where you, cause you're, you're sourcing fabric internationally, right. And you're, right. but you all of your manufacturing itself is done domestically. Right. And why are you sourcing internationally, by the way? What's the reason that the fabric is not sourced domestically? 
Unfortunately, um, there are very few fabric mills left in the United States at the moment. So um, really, if you're going to be getting superior quality fabric uh, today in this day and age, you, you usually have to go to other countries and source internationally. Um, when I source a fabric, I make sure that there is an A, B, and C plan. Oftentimes, they're in different countries. Um, so I will source from China. I will source from Korea. I will source from Turkey. I will end up going with the one that I can get, you know, all similar price points to. But usually I go with the one that has the, the lowest air shipping cost. Um, and, you know, if there is an issue, if there is a flood in that mill, if something goes, you know, wrong, you know, if there is a pandemic, if something goes wrong with, with one country's economy or if there is a trade issue, you know, I have backup plans. And I, I learned that early on um, when there was a volcanic eruption and I, I saw that uh, planes leaving China, literally like they they couldn't fly through the smoke. So uh, everything, you know, ended up being, shipping out late and, and getting to stores late. I, I've seen everything happen. So I've seen, uh, I've seen a company depend way too much on one mill and there being a flood um, and having to counter source all their fabrics for production. Um, so really having an A, B, and C plan is super important when you're, when you're um, sourcing fabrications from other countries. It's funny that that actually was an issue for me when I was getting married. I was buying a suit and I, I, I really explored doing it with a, uh, you know, like a typical guy. I waited till the last minute and, uh, you know, it was a, f- I don't know, a few weeks away from the wedding and I found, uh, an, you know, a, a known uh, men's custom suit maker, uh, that's online, but has a a showroom in New York. Mm -hmm. And I found exactly what I wanted to buy within the price range. I wanted to buy it. I thought it would look great, but they could not guarantee me I would have it on time because there was too much of a, a variable in the, uh, shipping from China. Even if they tried to get them to make it right away. Right. It's just that variable. Uh, and I imagine with custom, work you know a lot of times sometimes people do get custom apparel because that's just they, they want it to be custom but i imagine in, in, in a lot of cases it's it's because of special events yeah i mean i i think that currently customization has a lot to do with weddings whether it be mm-hmm. guest of wedding wedding dresses bridesmaids so occasion wear is a really big category and then where to work is another big category. They've obviously been very hard hit, but the great part about having a vertical supply chain is you can pivot overnight to address other demand for other um, for other areas. And we've been able to do that during COVID, which has been fabulous. At Altris, we, we own our supply chain. We are completely vertical. We can scale up and down depending on demand. We can flex out to third-party factories if there if there is an increased demand during particular periods of time because you know the apparel market it tends to be slightly cyclical. Um, so because we own our own apparel supply chain and because it's domestically, we can guarantee super fast delivery to our customers, um, which is definitely different than everybody who's you know drop shipping out of Shanghai. We we don't have to to deal with um, air freight costs and the timelines that that go hand in hand with shipping overseas. Okay, got it. That that makes perfect sense. Uh, maybe one last question on this, Kim. Uh, s- s- pivoting a little bit onto a slightly different topic. Uh, you know, you you started out working for another company, then you carved right. out your own brand. Uh, what have you? What What are some key things you've discovered or learned? 
that you thought you had a handle on when you left the other brand, but you only became truly apparent to you once you were actually driving your own ship and you go, Oh, I, I guess I totally didn't see this until now I'm in this position. And now that's a new learning. Um, I think initially, I guess as an entrepreneur, initially I didn't, know if I needed a business partner. I guess this isn't really necessarily what I learned going from working for other people's companies versus, you know, working for my own. But that's you know, okay, I we'll think, take it. Yeah. I <laughs> I think that um finding your your other half, finding your co-founder, finding your business partner is super, super important. Um, you know, in the beginning I was told by, you know, particular investors that you know, I could lean on that investors and advisors that I could lean on them, they would be my co founders. And then, you know, when I raised money, I could, you know, find people to, to help me out. I, I think that really finding your other half is is super important. You can't be good at everything. Um, I was lucky enough to have stumbled across my other half. Um, she found me. Um, and I'm, I'm super lucky. And um, she's brilliant. And she's a two time former founder. And I, I'm definitely lucky to have found her and, and for her to have joined the team and to believe in this cause. I hear that over and over again. I've experienced it myself. It's just just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should be the one doing it. Uh, you should be doing the things that only really, quote, only you can do as well as you can do. And if there's a way to delegate to other people or have other people in the mix who have strong capabilities. I always believe in one plus one equals three. Well, she has a, we, we both have a, a, the same North star, but we come from very different, um, very different backgrounds and we have very different skill sets. So the debate is really healthy because, you know, especially when you're trying to innovate, you need, you need a naysayer, you need somebody to tell you why it's hard. You need somebody to, to, to put their perspective in the mix. And the two of us kind of bang our heads together. Um, we're always we're always headed in the same direction. We always want the same outcome. And, you know, just the debate ends up being super healthy and getting us to the best decision on how to get there. Um, I'm super lucky to, to have, you know, a, a co-founder and a partner like her. And uh, who's your co-founder, your, your partner's name? Her name is Amy Wagner. A shout out to Amy. Yeah, I'm honored that she joined the team and she's an incredible woman. Fantastic. The third issue that I saw was there is a fit issue on the market. 77% of returns are due to poor fit. Um, and this is because apparel is produced to fit a neat hourglass shape. And statistically, that's only about 20% of the population. So apparel literally is not produced to fit 80% of women, which is sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it is the truth. Um, and we also found that greater than 90% of women are actually by size, different sizes on their tops and bottoms. Basically, I knew that if I was going to start my own company, I needed to figure out a fit solution. So we are launching by sizing in the coming year. That's pretty exciting, but that's a little daunting, isn't it? It's, I, I mean, all of this is daunting. Um, you're innovating. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you're innovating. Nobody's really done this successfully yet. So that's why it sounds so cool. But um we definitely have the uh, we definitely have the the tech experience uh, and the technologists. We definitely have the apparel experience. We definitely have the finance experience, the operations experience. 
we have a great team behind us. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It makes me think like, you know, I think about the, uh, you know, the people who were on the new frontier of America as the covered wagons going across the, the country, aiming towards California and, and they get to the coast. That's it. That's as far as you go. Imagine getting to the coast and right as you get to it, it moves a hundred miles further because now you're there and you realize that that makes new things possible. So, you know, the target moves really with innovation. That's really what you're doing is, is you, you set a chart, you set a course to aim for a destination. And when you get there, it suddenly makes new things possible and the destination moves. That's going to be a, that's got to be both an exciting and almost a frustrating thing. Yeah. It's, it's, Every day is, is a battle. I mean, you're trying to, to solve three major problems, inventory crisis, the, the need for customization, and the fit problem. It, it's, it is daunting, but it, it has to be done, and somebody will do it. And I just decided I didn't want to be the person who worked for the person who figured it out. I wanted to be the person. So, you know, why is Ultra's business model better? Uh, traditional retail brands predict demand months in advance. Um, while at Ultra's, we only produce what's already sold. We only need one sample uh, to offer a product to our customers versus an entire warehouse of inventory that may or may not perform. Uh, while traditional retail brands have high minimums at overseas and even domestic factories, Ultras has no production minimums. We can produce quickly, scalably, and profitably one-offs. While other brands need factors or loans to finance their production and fill loads of stores with inventory, um, our production is actually financed by our customers' purchase, so we are far more working capital efficient. While traditional brands also deal with excess inventory, our supply equals our demand. We have minimal inventory, and we're eliminating the $50 billion annual cost of, of this failing industry. Um, there's a huge risk of styles not performing for traditional brands. Um, you know, If a style tanks, they sit on 100,000 units in a warehouse. For Ultras, we have minimal risk when adding new styles. Uh, with we only need one sample versus an entire warehouse. And if that sample doesn't perform, we can simply purge it in a sample sale or, or donate it to Dress for Success. Uh, traditional retail brands have a speed to market of six to 12 months. Um, at Altrus, we have real do- time design capabilities. Uh, I can literally go from sketch the next day uh, to pattern the Wednesday. So from sketch on Monday, I can go from a sketch on Monday to a pattern on Tuesday, to a sample on Wednesday, to a fit model and a fitting on Thursday. We do the pattern correction by Friday. I'm sending it to my marketing and grading company uh, to, to make the product from sizes zero to, um, to 18, soon to be size 24. And then uh, we can bring our the dress down to a green screen and Tribeca and upload it as a product offering. So that's literally you know, five days from sketch to to product offering. Uh, traditional brands rely on overseas manufacturing. We are completely domestic. We have fast delivery, super low shipping costs, and a reduced carbon footprint. Um, so we are far, and, and which obviously adds to our sustainability factor. While traditional retail brands depend on wholesale, we're direct to consumer and we can offer superior quality products at one third or one half the price. And while also Traditional brands have to deal with standard sizing. We offer buy sizing, um, which is a true fit solution. And we're able to do that with um, our, our modular design to do this scalably. And, you know, traditional retail is a super saturated market. While custom women's wear at an affordable price point at $298 for short dresses and $348 for long gowns 
is a wide open market opportunity. Uh, very few people are doing it. I love Kim, how much you just absolutely know your business inside and out. Thank it's you. Just, it's just so obvious that you know every piece of DNA of your business just off the top of your head. And that that's not always the case is really, I, I do have a quick question unrelated to what you said, but kind of occurred to me with such a wide range of sizes that you're willing to do a, a dress with custom fit. How, how do you know that dress or, or that piece of apparel looks good in all of those sizes on people? We actually um, have suggested styles as well on our website. And there is something called the curve edit. And those are styles that are recommended to sizes 14 through 18. And the next episode, it will be up to size 24. But at the moment, you know, as a startup, it's 14 to 18. Um, and those are styles that we recommend for a consumer um, who, who is of that size. And, you know, our goal is to really make all women feel comfortable, amazing, sexy, and confident in what they're wearing um, because, you know, that gives them the power to take over the world. So, so you might say, Hey, we're willing to do this up to say size 18, but we know this typically looks best on size up to 16, let's say. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that we, we'll do it. We'll do whatever the customer wants. It's not, you know, we, but we definitely um, steer customers in particular directions with our suggested styles. I think, I think that we are, we are curated customization. Um, but really the goal here is to make our customer happy you know, how they want to look is what I want to make for them. All right, coming up, we're going to have a round of off-the-grid questions. You'll hear a little bit of the human side of Kim right after this. Now, here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. It's one word. Ignore. This is Naked Entrepreneur. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? Rated R. Listen, it's a podcast. Naked Entrepreneur. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is time for, that's right, off the grid questions where we ask questions a little off the grid, a little more personal in nature. Since it's just me, we won't spin the wheel of grid destiny. Uh, we're just going to get right down to the questions. And uh, I, I like to start, uh, what is the soundtrack of your life? As you think about the music that you're most likely to gravitate to, to kind of keep you in motion that represents you know, who you are, who's on your list, who's on your soundtrack list. Wow. That's a tough one. I always end up going back to childhood nostalgic music. I don't know if this necessarily is the soundtrack of my life that propels me forward, but it definitely makes me super angsty. I, I always find myself listening to Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, which I of think course. is really funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're you're like 10 years old and listening to the soundtrack and you're thinking you really can relate to it and you have no idea what it's talking about. I think that that is, was basically my childhood. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I actually recently listened to the lyrics for one of the, the songs from that. For the first time, I have a I have a bad I, I'm I'm really good at knowing music intimately. 
like the chords and the the variances but i just i just don't listen to lyrics enough and then when i finally listen to them i go oh that's what the song is about wow you know right and i did that with one of the songs from jagged little pill recently and i was like gosh that's really crazy yeah. uh, are, are you are you have you seen the broadway show yet no i haven't and and i have was literally had a listserv email going out to all my friends saying who's crazy enough to see this with me i really wanted to see it but then COVID happened so there goes that well you'll get your chance i'm sure i hope so how are you uh on a personal basis navigating covid and making sure that you keep your sanity on a personal basis well i have not stopped for a second I think I'm busier than I've ever been. Um, Immediately, my business partner and I decided that we wanted to make sure that all of our sewers kept their jobs. So we pivoted overnight to manufacturing masks, uh, literally when hospitals could not get any any PPE. And, um, you know, when the entire, when all supply chains for, you know, all around the world were ground to a halt, and everything domestically um, was ground to a halt. We had we were filling thousands of orders for hospitals. You know, Lenox Hill, uh, doctors at Lenox Hill, doctors at Mount Sinai. We were really, you know, providing masks to frontline workers who who were having to reuse masks for for a week. Um, so we quickly saw particular opportunities of ways that we could help out and keep our um, keep our our sewers working, and we grabbed all of it because our our supply chain is super nimble and our business model is super nimble very cool and uh and finally who uh other than your business partner who is the first person in your life that you're most likely to go to with uh important news something went amazing oh my gosh this problem i have to cry on somebody's shoulder uh the most exciting thing happened who's that person I mean, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have um, a fabulous family and a fabulous husband. Um, so I, I kind of, um, depending on on skill sets and 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 expertise, you know, I'll, I'll go to one uh, one of all of them. But I would say that my my immediate go to is my husband. That's cool. Uh, how what what is your husband like? The way he handles the the good news and the bad news. Um. He always shows a different perspective, but he is he is extremely, extremely supportive and positive um, and encourages me and doesn't let me give up. Uh, he's he's a great partner to have as somebody who's, you know, trying to do the impossible. Has he played a role in your business aside from being supportive? Um. Uh, he, he, he helped do our photo shoot for, um, he helped do, um, a a photo shoot for masks on on my face in our apartment during COVID. (laughs) He definitely, um, he definitely provides moral support. He sometimes, you know, proofreads decks for me. Um, you know, he's very meticulous, uh, uh, and I'm a little bit more of a artsy, uh, spirit. So he definitely will be able to drill down and fine tune things for me. So, you know, I lean on him when it, when it comes to, you know, making sure that, you know, all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Very important. That's so cool. Okay. But, uh, how can people connect with you directly and also obviously with Altris? 
So you can email me at Kimberly at Altress, A-L-T-R-E-S-S.com. Kimberly with K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y at Altress, A-L-T-R-E-S-S.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Altress Clothing, and you can find us on Facebook at Altress Clothing NYC. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll tell you what an interesting business that you've built out. And it sounds like you have a tremendous uh, path ahead of you. You've built a good foundation and uh, you've you found a tailwind during the pandemic so far. And I hope the tailwind just uh, gets stronger and stronger for you. Thank you. So, all right. Well, uh, Kim Barash, uh, the founder and CEO of Altris, uh, thanks so much for joining. It was a really great discussion. Thank you for having me. And that is it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business, everybody. Really appreciate you joining us. It's always great to have you here. It means so much. And I hope that all of you, each and every one, is staying safe and healthy and finding a way to move forward with your business. Uh, until next time, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.